All right, are you in Joshua chapter 1? All right. I want to talk to you from the subject, Be Strong and Courageous. Joshua 1, we'll start reading in verse number 5. It says this, the Lord speaking to Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and we just give it our full attention. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us. You help us. Lord, help us to get the bread that you have for us today. We thank you for the daily bread that you've promised and that you're so faithful to provide. Speak to our hearts. Strengthen us. Strengthen our faith. Give us the courage that you're talking about right here in Joshua chapter 1. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 little backstory before we get into Joshua 1 there, verse number 8. Israel has been saved out of Egyptian slavery. They've spent 40 years in the desert. And they basically took a 40-year-long walk with God as He led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And now it's come to a transition. Moses has died. Moses, their deliverer and leader, has just died. And Joshua is now to take command of Israel and lead them into the next phase of the plan to, to secure the promised land. Now think of Joshua now. Joshua's coming behind Moses. Moses is, is one of the more miraculous men of all of human history. Imagine the, the task of what we may call filling the shoes of Moses. That would be a pretty intimidating spot, don't you think? I mean, Moses is revered by nearly everybody on the planet. He was then and he still is today. Joshua is now to lead them into this promised new land we call Israel or the Holy Land. It's time to possess this promised land. The task is enormous. There are enemies in the land. They're not going to give it up just easily. There are giants there too. And now remember Joshua. He's already been into that land. Remember that? Forty years ago he went into the land and he, he was one of the spies. One of the ten spies. or Excuse me, one of the twelve spies. But two of them came back with a good report. Who were those two guys? Remember? Joshua and Caleb. I know you're hollering at your windshield. I just can't see you, right? <laughs> Joshua and Caleb. So Joshua, a man of faith and power, has been wandering or, or being led through this wilderness all of these 40 years, knowing about what he's seen, the produce that's in that land, the, the grapes that are the size of basketballs, so to speak, uh, all of the prosperity that's in that land. And he's also aware of the giants. But Joshua and Caleb were the two that came back with a testimony. We can take them because God's with us. Now Joshua, after 40 years of delay, he is able to go and confront that and secure the promise for the people of God. 
Now, have you ever had an overwhelming task? Maybe it's a problem staring you in the face. Maybe something like what we have going on right now. Almost an impossible task facing you. One that you're not sure that you can do. You hope you can, but, but you know there's something about following God that it seems like God always leads us beyond our abilities. You know? He always leads us beyond our comfort zone. Anybody know what that's like? So God speaks to, Moses, or to Joshua in Joshua 1.1. And he says, Moses is dead. Now, that wasn't a revelation to Joshua. That was to be a transition point for Joshua. Moses had already been dead, actually, for 30 days at this point. And Israel had been through their 30 days of mourning over their leader. And now, God comes to Joshua and he says, Hey, Moses is dead. That part of what I was doing is over. It's time for you to step into newness. So how do you think Joshua felt? Well, he's probably overwhelmed by the task. He's probably scratching his head and saying, are they going to be with me? Are the people going to follow me? They loved Moses. They revered him. I mean, the last leader they had, his face glowed because he'd been in God's presence. That's pretty awesome leadership, you know. So God comes to him right here in chapter 1. We just read some of that. God comes to him, instructs him, and encourages him. So we get a little bit of idea of what Joshua's feeling on the inside when God has to come and encourage you, it's probably because uh, you're lacking a little bit of what you need. And God comes and imparts courage to this man. And Joshua here learns how to walk this path that leads to strength and courage. So Joshua and Israel find themselves at this crucial transition point. You know, transitions can be exciting, but they can also be challenging. They can be difficult. They stretch us. You know, I kind of liken transitions to like intersections of roads, like we've got red lights down here. Intersections. When you come to an intersection, you've got to be aware of where you are. You've got to be aware of where you're going, and you've got to be mindful of all the traffic around you, right? We've all ran into the people that aren't, right? <laughs> Literally sometimes. So we've got to be mindful in these problem areas of transitions and intersections because most accidents happen at intersections. The intersections of life are just the same. Most of our mishaps, sometimes our shortcomings and sins and things like that happen at these intersection points where the pressure gets on us and decisions have to be made. And how you handle these transitions are vital to your future and the future of those around us. You know, our nation right now is at a major transition point, without a doubt. Medically, we're at a transition point. Politically, don't even get me started, we're at a transition point. It really could go either way, to the good or to the bad politically. Economically, the same. We're at a transition point economically in our nation. We're not sure what's going to happen as we turn the corner of this virus. Spiritually, we're at a crossroads in our nation. We're at an intersection in our nation. Our families are at challenging transition points. Maybe you're considering career options, things of that nature. Maybe your marriage is in a transition or, or maybe just the age and stage of life that you're in. We, we all get in these transition points and it's really important how we handle them. And when you come to these points, you realize something about yourself. You realize that you need something from God that you don't presently have. And that's not always a bad place to be. Because it's the humble that He pours that kind of grace upon. We need something. We need a new strength for this new day. We need a new grace that we've never, ever experienced in God. We need new strength.
for this new transition point and this new path that God has for us to walk. Our church is even at a critical transition point. You know, God sent us here. It's almost, you believe it or not, it's almost six months now. You believe that? Isn't that kind of crazy? God sent us here to do a great work. The Lord has joined us together. We didn't have any idea that all this was going to happen. But God joined us together for such a time as this. So we're at a transition point. What we do from here on. Now what we've done in the past is important. It's an important foundation. Even our mistakes may be of important foundation. But what we do from this point on will be crucial to the future of this area and this community and our church family and your family as well. But you know, the church at large is at a transition point. Now, will all of this lead to an awakening? We're not sure yet. This parking lot's not full, you know. Will all this lead to an awakening or will it lead to a further decline into complacency? Where people continue to practice spiritual social distancing. Church has been experiencing that a long time. You know what I'm talking about? Will this crisis in the church, will this crisis spark a revival? Or will the church just crumble into irrelevancy in this nation? Because you know the scoffers and the mockers are already here. I don't know if you've heard some of the disturbing comments by some politicians about, you know, God didn't help us in this, God didn't do this, Christians are irrelevant. There's a lot of that kind of talk going on right now. So what will the church do? We're, we're at a transition point. The prophet Jeremiah spoke about this, this kind of thing. He said, when you come to a transition point, Jeremiah 6, 16, see if you recognize some of this language from our Lord. Jeremiah speaks and he says, thus says the Lord, when you come to this transition point, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. And then you will find rest for your souls. So Jeremiah said, when you come to these intersections, these transition points, look around, be mindful. But don't just be mindful of what's around you. But he said to ask a question, ask for the old paths. The old paths. What's the old paths? Well, the old paths are those ancient paths that have been carved out by the ancient of days. It's not just the old way that we used to do things. That's really not old enough. It's, it's the ways of God that were set from the foundation of the earth. It's the ways of God that are in his heart. And Jeremiah said, when you come to these transition points, ask God what to do. Ask him to reveal his ancient ways because the, the right now wisdom is in the ancient way. You know that. Ask him where the good way is and then walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. You know, Jesus had this mind, this passage in mind when he spoke that about you having rest for your soul, about that yoke. The tragic thing of Jeremiah's day, the people exclaimed back to Jeremiah and they said, we will not walk in it. They came to that transition point and they turned the other way. What will we do? All right. So now God instructs Joshua. I really want just Joshua 1.8. I wanted to read all of that for context. But Joshua 1.8 says this to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Everybody say from your mouth. Now think about that. Now we think about, I hear this. And I think it should say this book of the law shall not depart from your ear. You should listen to it. But he didn't say that. He said you should not let it depart from your mouth. And the idea is, is that, you should saturate your ear and your heart in such a way that what flows out of your mouth are the very words of God. 
Jesus said that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth does what? The mouth speaks. So he says that I want you to have my law, my instruction, my wisdom, my ways in you so strong that they keep pouring out of your mouth. So that means somebody's had to spend some time listening. Somebody's had to spend some time taking it in, soaking it in, filling their heart. And now it begins to come out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. And he says, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Now this word meditate is really interesting to me because it, it gives us a picture now, when we think of meditation, we, we've been kind of programmed to think about these people sitting there real quiet and humming in B-flat, you know, with their, with their fingers like this and their legs crossed. That's kind of what we think about when we think about meditation sometimes. Or we think about somebody sitting quietly by the wayside. And that's a part of it, maybe, just the quietness of it all. But that's not really what the Hebrew word has right here. The Hebrew word is the word Hagah. Can you say Hagah? you got to get the Gah. You know, that's the way they do the Middle Eastern thing. Haggah. And don't worry about it. If it gets too dark, we'll just have you turn on the headlights. Is that okay? All right. This is the word Haggah. Now, the word Haggah is a, is a picture. It is a picture of a growling lion standing over the prey that is just caught. It's that, it's that lion standing there over the prey. It speaks of intensity and it speaks of passion. Now, think about that. That's far different it says, you shall meditate on this law both day and night. Meditate on it. You haggah on it. It's not just you sit there and hmm, and you contemplate. It's that you are standing over it like a lion. You ever seen the National Geographic thing? As they stand over their prey and they're just, Rah. they're so glad they have it. But they're going to take in every piece of it. They're going to rip that thing apart and they're going to take every piece of it in. That's what God says. I want you to do and meditate on my word. I want you to stand over my word. I want you to love it. I want you to growl over it. I want you to be intense over it. I want you to go in there. I want you to pull it apart. I want you to take it into yourself. I want you to treasure every piece of it. I want you to haga. I want you to meditate on it both day and night. Now, see, that's a very different picture, isn't it? That's a picture of Bible study the way God would have it to be. I don't know if you ever had, had the experience I have to be in the room full of some Orthodox Jews that are studying the Bible. They haggah. They haggah back and forth with each other and they roar and, and speak to each other and they're, they're almost in conflict with each other as they begin to speak over the text and talk about it. Jesus met with some of that in the synagogue when he went to places. People would challenge him because they were interested in haggahing it all so much. They wanted to know exactly what it meant and what God said. What is the ancient way here? Right. You get that picture of haggah? You got it? Shake your head like this or like this or something. Oh, you good? You good? You good. All right. So it's this growling lion over his prey. Now think about that next time you sit down for devotion time. Are you bringing that same level of intensity and passion? Now I ain't saying scare the kids, but you know what I'm talking about. You come with a level of intensity and passion over the word of God to where it really is your life source. This is our approach to God's word. And this is the pathway that God gives Joshua and us to strength and courage. It's a lot different than singing Kumbaya, isn't it? <laughs> All right. You get the point. So we haggah because we realize that our strength is directly related to what we eat. Now, we know that physically, right? We know that whatever we take in, that's what we become. Somebody said, I'm a 220-pound Twinkie. You know what I mean? Whatever we take in, our body has a way of taking that and breaking it apart and transmitting it to the rest of our body, to our cells. 
The same is true in your spirit, man. Your strength is directly related to what you eat spiritually. Little strength is because we've got little word intake. We've got a little Haggai going on. Much strength, you're going to have to have much Haggai. You're going to have to get in there and devour and eat because you become what you eat now. And if you eat the word of God by faith, then you receive the strength and courage that that word contains. And that word contains literally the life of God in it. Life is in the word. In fact, creation came out of the word. Genesis 1 tells us that light and order and function all came out of God's word. God said and it was. It all came out. The word is the most powerful thing we have. Light, order, function versus darkness, chaos, and dysfunction. Now, Haggai means to also, he said, don't let it depart from your mouth. So as we take it in, we begin to speak it out. Speak it to yourself. Now, here's a practice I'd like for you to take, take on as a daily devotion or consider it anyway. Read the Bible out loud to yourself in your own hearing. Speak it to yourself to where your ears can hear your voice speaking the very words of God. It's a good practice. Get you an audio Bible. Listen to it. Let it speak to you. And learn to speak the word to yourself. Learn to speak the word into people. Learn to speak it into your circumstances. And I hear my master say, you learn to speak to mountains and cause them to be removed and cast into the sea. Strength and courage don't just fall out of the sky in some mystical, magical way. Now, God can do what he wants. He can certainly empower you however he wants to. But what he wants for us is his people to learn to Haggah, learn to meditate on his word and draw strength and courage from it. And our, our efforts and our actions really do matter. So there's a path that we must walk that leads to strength and courage and victory. But there's also a path that leads to weakness, to fear, and to defeat. And which path are you walking on? The promise is this. The promise is found in the second half of verse number 8. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. That's why you're taking it in so you can follow it. So you can listen to it. So you can obey it. For then, see this is what we want to get to. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, we want to be prosperous, don't we? I mean, in every way possible. In our health, in our peace of mind. We want prosperity in our economics. We want prosperity in every part. In our children, we want prosperity for everything around us. That's what we want. We want to have good success. I don't know about you, but I like to win. That's part of my nature. It's in my nature to win. I believe it's because God ain't never lost. That's why I like to win. He said you'll have good success. But see, that's the fruit. But you can't get good fruit unless you got good root, right? So you can't get to the prosperity and the good success without Haggah. Without learning to speak the word. Put it in your mouth. Put it in your heart. All right. You shall be prosperous and have good success. Reminds me of the words of Jesus where he said, I came to give you life and I came to give it more abundantly so we need more strength you need more strength for what lies ahead for us nationally as a community here but for you individually and as you, with your family you need more strength for what's ahead you need more courage for what's ahead 
Now see, courage is this mental strength. This mental strength to venture out, to, to persevere. This mental strength that we need to withstand danger, to withstand fear, to fight it off, to fight off difficulty. And somebody once said, courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is what makes us go on even though we have them. We need more courage. Beloved, this is not a prophecy. It's just kind of seeing what's going on. We need more courage to be a Christian. And we're going to need more of that in the days ahead, I promise. We need more courage to do the will of God. He says to Joshua, and he would say to us, For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you say that with me? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you look at the person next to you and say this with me? Look at, look at them. Tell them. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That, that sounds like our shepherd, doesn't it? It sounds like something Jesus would say. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So let's bring this to a close. From Joshua to Jesus. How do they connect? From Joshua to Jesus. Well, interestingly enough, their Hebrew names are very similar. The meaning of their name is actually the same. Their, their names, Joshua and the name Jesus, both mean salvation or deliverance. Joshua came to lead them into the promised land, which we know it was literally a geographical area. Lands, villages, homes, wells they didn't dig, all these kind of things. It was a physical place. Jesus has come to be the fulfillment of all the promises in the Scripture leading us into the real promised land, which is the kingdom of God. Joshua was told to be strong and courageous, and he sure let, let a measure of that out. He was a strong leader. But Jesus was the strongest and most courageous of all. Jesus took upon himself, he was so strong that he took upon himself our weaknesses. He took up on himself our insecurities. He took our doubts, our fears, so that he could lead us into this prosperous life and that you and I could have good success in doing the will of God. Jesus came to give us this kind of strength that Joshua 1 talks about, this kind of courage that Joshua 1 talks about, promising to always be with us. Now, now think about this. Jesus didn't just say, be strong. Jesus became our strength. You see the difference? He became our strength. And in fact, he would tell us not to be afraid. He would tell us to be courageous. He'd tell us to be strong. But then he would say to us, I'm with you. And I'm going to even go better than just be with you. I'm going to send my spirit to live in you so that you can be strong and courageous. And then the apostles would get it and they would say to all of us as believers, they would say, you and I, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. See, Joshua was told to be strong and Jesus showed us how to be strong. And He said, now walk with you and make you a lot stronger than you really are. Don't we need that today? Don't we need that? To be strong and courageous for the lord our god is with us wherever we go amen let's pray lord we thank you so much for your word jesus we thank you for everything that you've accomplished for us 
We thank you that you shed your blood. You died upon the cross for us. And there you took upon our sins. You took on our insecurities. You took our doubts. You took our fears. And you were strong enough to face down sin. You were strong enough to defeat death. And Lord, we thank you that you did it on our behalf. And Lord, I pray for everyone that's within the sound of my voice, and especially those under my care, Lord. We just ask that you would impart to us a brand new strength for this new transition we're going into. We're not sure what lies ahead, but we know you'll be with us. We're not sure where things are headed, but we know that you'll provide all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And Lord, I pray you would impart a new strength, a new strength to moms, a new strength to dads, a new strength to men, women, teenagers, Lord, our children, just a new strength and courage to be able to face, not because we're tough, but because we belong to you. Teach us, Lord, what it means to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might so we can do what you say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.